0: Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Global warming is basically a slow-motion train wreck. It's a crisis, and it needs an all-hands-on-deck solution. Individuals, businesses, and government, we've all got to be pulling in the same direction to minimize the effect of this crisis. It's sad to say that the leadership in D.C. on this climate emergency is lacking, to say the least, But the good news is that state and local governments are providing leadership and actions. California has consistently been a leader on these environmental initiatives. And the city of San Jose is notably one of the leading cities in the whole country. San Jose is indeed taking action to mitigate the causes of climate change and adapt to the negative effects. Now, San Jose has had a very active environmental services department. Now, a major component of that is called the Climate Smart San Jose program. It's a community-wide initiative to reduce air pollution, save water, and improve the quality of life for San Jose's residents. Basically, it's the city's plan to reach the targets of the Paris Climate Agreement. And it's my pleasure to have Ken Davies, Deputy Director of Climate Smart San Jose, as our guest. Ken's been at the forefront of Silicon Valley's environmental efforts for ten years. No doubt in my mind that the work he and his team are doing in San Jose will exceed our local goals for the Paris Climate targets. So, welcome to the show, Ken. Thanks, Barry, and thanks. Thanks for having me. You've pretty much summarized
1: it in response to the mounting impacts of climate change back around 2017 and the lack of commitment at the federal level. San Jose was one of the first cities to adopt a Paris Agreement-aligned climate action plan. So now we're about to start our third year of work on the plan. Paris-aligned, of course, means that we're trying to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions in San Jose to an extent that we contribute positively to keeping global temperatures from rising less than 2 degrees C by 2050. And to do that, we have specific goals to reduce climate change through GHG, or greenhouse gas reduction strategies, organized around the way we manage energy, water, and mobility.
0: It's interesting that you talk about water and mobility in addition. You know, mobility is probably a a big contributor to that. So we can kind of get back to that in a little while. Are there any specific local targets that we have for the Paris Climate Agreement?
1: Well, mobility, as you mentioned, is a very big one. So when we did our last community-wide greenhouse gas inventory, transportation, that sector alone was about two-thirds of our overall emissions profile. As some of you may know, San Jose is a net exporter of jobs, and so we have a lot of folks living in San Jose that drive elsewhere to get to work every day. And that means a lot of vehicle miles traveled and a lot of emissions coming out of those vehicles, which unfortunately are a lot of times single occupancy vehicles. After that, we focus on building energy and greenhouse gas emissions because that's the next one right behind transportation, roughly a third. And then we've got a few miscellaneous categories underneath that that we'll get to down the road when
0: they become more important. So transportation is the biggest. Are buildings the second biggest segment?
1: Buildings, yeah, roughly a third. And we've had a lot of success over the past year now. Back in December of 2018, we passed a building performance ordinance. That's for existing buildings starting at 50,000 square feet and above. And then this year, it moves down to 20,000 square feet and above. And what that does is ask those buildings to monitor their performance score through Energy Star Portfolio Manager If they're a high-performing building, uh, say 75 points on that scale or above, then they just provide us evidence of that and go on their merry and efficient way. If they're below that, then at some point in the not-too-distant future, we'll be asking them to take some measures to improve the performance of that building.
0: Now, it's interesting when you look at the mix between transportation and buildings. It's really hard for a city to say, we're going to do something different with transportation. I mean, the cars are the cars, the state makes the policy, the feds make the policy. It's really hard to change that. But on buildings, the city has some zoning capabilities, and, and that really makes a difference.
1: Yeah. And I would say that's one of the things we're really good at. That may sound draconian to some, but we're good at passing ordinances that can kind of control our local environment that way.
0: Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. Nobody really likes any of these ordinances or mandates. They'd like to just build whatever they want, Mm -hmm. but it's just really important when you look back now at the ordinances that the state passed and San Jose passed for buildings and you move into Mm -hmm. a 20 year old building or 30 year building, they're way better than what we were building before. Right. So that's huge.
1: And then this past September, we passed an electrification-friendly reach code. So in advance of the effective date, which was January 1st of this year for the state's 2019 building code, we did a local ordinance called a reach code, which goes farther than what the state is going to require of buildings. For ours, we said if you build a building all electric, because we know our power supply in San Jose is very clean already, over 80% carbon-free, then all you have to do as a developer or builder is comply with the base code for 2019. If you still choose to have natural gas in the building, otherwise known as a mixed fuel building, then you're going to have to go even farther beyond that and incur those additional costs to keep that fossil fuel going in that setting.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting as one who's looked at these different costs... Natural gas has some appeals to people who like to cook on a stove or maybe have a, a pool heating system, but it, in almost every single case, electrifying it is better from a performance standpoint and better from a, clearly better from a climate standpoint and better from a cost standpoint. People just are kind of, they're set in
1: their ways. Yeah. And the other one that most people aren't aware of, Barry, is that there's some pretty significant indoor air quality impacts from having natural gas in the home. So that fuel's being combusted either in your furnace or your water heater, and most notably your gas stove when you're running that flame you're producing byproducts like formaldehyde and carbon monoxide nitrous oxides all kinds of things that wouldn't actually be legal in those concentrations if they were outdoor and being measured by the, the the Clean Air Act, for example.
0: That's one of the things that you never know. You've grown up with gas stoves, kind of. You know, you're used to the cooking smells, and you may not always turn on that hood. But um, yeah. as one who has made the change from gas to induction, you know, the only thing that comes off is steam. Or when I'm you know, cooking a steak, I might get a little bit of smoke, but it's yeah. just great. Yeah. All right, good. Well, let's talk about a few other things. What's the Climate Smart Challenge, and how can people participate in that?
1: Yeah, Barry, we're really excited about that. It's a new web platform that we've got up in English, Spanish, and I think within the next week in Vietnamese. It's an initiative that invites residents, employees, and building owners in San Jose to join and pledge to reduce their GHG emissions. It uses basic information. So you'll create an account, and you'll enter information about your appliances, your commute the type of vehicle you drive things like that no personal info required but personal climate info if you will so then it'll provide you with a list of over 60 different actions that you can take in order to reduce your climate impact and those can be sorted either by cost of implementation so you could pick things that are very reasonable to do or by the carbon impact so it's each of the actions has that listed underneath you can sort it any way you want to and uh take some actions, and then see what your personal profile looks like after you've done those.
0: Yeah, I just signed up for it, and I'm looking forward to seeing how I fit in on the scale. It's to use a lot of carbon, and hopefully I don't use that much. But kind of along those lines, how feasible is it to transform an existing building into a zero-net carbon building?
1: It's actually really easy right now. So if your building is already all electric, meaning no natural gas appliances, furnaces, or anything like that, it's very easy. You just get in touch with San Jose Clean Energy and let them know you'd like to enroll in Total Green. You'll pay a slightly higher monthly premium for that electricity, but you'll know that your building or house is being supplied by 100% carbon-free electricity. If you still have natural gas devices like your gas water heater, then there are some programs out there that are available to help incentivize you to switch to an electric device.
0: Yeah, it's one of the surprises I had when I went to put in a heat pump water heater is that the plumbers didn't know what I was talking about. And this was, you know, eight months ago or so. And now they're starting to know, but it was, it just was really easy to put the thing in. Mm -hmm. And it's just way more efficient. Interesting anecdote. About a month ago, my wife mentioned to me that the PG&E guy came to our house to take pictures of our gas meter. And she said, gee, I wonder why he's taking pictures of our gas meter. Mm-hmm. I said, well, the reason is that it's not moving anymore. Oh,
1: they <laughs> thought it was broken. <laughs>
0: they thought it was broken. And you know, now we, we look at the only time we use gas is if, if we're heating up the spa. It's just spikes on weekends, and that's it. It's just like nothing.
1: Yeah, it's a great example of what cities can do and the role they can take, because you're really kind of driving the market and so whereas at the beginning you wouldn't have found too many plumbers that knew about these and how to install them. Hopefully we're building that learning curve and certainly providing training along the way through some of our other offerings. Yeah,
0: yeah. and then the other thing that I wanted to do, but I never thought about it in advance, is I got all these pipes coming out of my roof. Mm-hmm. The, the little vent pipe from the gas, the vent pipe from the HVAC, and I just kind of clean up my roof line, and so yeah. it's now going to be a nice, smooth roof just with solar panels. But
1: it's, And that's what will happen in those new homes that are built under our reach code. There won't be any of those things anymore. There won't be a gas meter Extra gas piping in the house, any of that infrastructure will be gone, and, and that's how they save money
0: on building those. Yeah. All right. What kind of rebates and incentives are available from San Jose, and where can people find out about those?
1: Yeah, we have multiple web pages and all the different programs we offer. We just won a grant last year from the Bay Area Air Quality Management District to provide rebates of up to $6,000 for residents to switch from a natural gas water heater to an electric heat pump water heater. Silicon Valley Clean Energy, if you're not in San Jose, they Serve the rest of santa clara county also won a similar grant the heat pump water heaters they work like a refrigerator and reverse so it's not like startlingly new technology it just pulls the heat from the air and the surrounding environment and moves it into a tank where you're trying
0: to heat the water up they work great all right so ken global warming is such a big problem it sounds like we got to you know put in place these enormously expensive solutions what are some of the more modest actions that san jose residents can take
1: yeah, Barry, it's a, that's a great point uh, because it can seem overwhelming, and that maybe there's nothing you can really do to affect things. But if we all take uh, small steps every day, and and everybody starts doing that, it really adds up. Uh, you know, not everybody can afford a Tesla or even a lower priced electric vehicle. So, so what can you do? Uh, Simple things like installing LED light bulbs, uh, conserving energy, changing your diet to a more plant-based one, or taking public transit are all achievable ways of reducing your personal carbon footprint. So that's what we try to promote. We try to just have a slogan of one day, one action. And if everybody's doing something like that, it can really add up.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely makes a difference, and you know, I'm kind of happy to see what's going on with companies like Beyond Meat and, you know, yeah. more of a plant-based thing. And it's yeah. it's kind of a change in our society mm-hmm. to move away from that.
1: Yeah, that impossible Whopper, Burger King won't release the numbers, but the, I hear it's, like, off the charts in well, terms of how many they're selling, and, and people don't mind it.
0: Yeah, I heard on the radio that they're talking about doing little chicken nuggets also. Yeah. That'd be kind of weird, but you know, and I've tasted them. They're not the nuggets yet, but the the meats taste reasonably well. It does, yeah. So it's good. All right. So you mentioned the San Jose Reach Code. Go into a little bit more detail of what that is for new construction and for different kinds of new construction. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah, as as we talked about earlier, you would just have to meet, as a builder, the base code. There would be no added requirements from building all electric. The advantage you're getting there as a builder is that you're not trenching a gas line from the street to the house or building. There's no electric meter. There's no internal piping. There's no carbon monoxide monitors, for example, inside the house because you don't have that danger there. What we also did, because San Jose wanted to take things a step further was ban the connection to natural gas for single-family dwellings, detached ADUs, or the granny units, and low-rise residential multifamily up to three stories. So we've begun our journey now on getting rid of fossil fuel altogether, and the city right now is conducting analysis on how to make that feasible and cost-effective and push that gas ban to an even taller building set.
0: Yeah, it's amazing to me because we have been over the past year or so working with a lot of builders. Big builders, small builders, people renovating homes, and there's just a lot of confusion about that. And then just a lot of pushback. It's like, i got to have my gas meter. I've always done that. Yeah. And you have to go through the numbers with them and explain how, yeah. how much better it is. Now, we talk about the reach code for new construction. What about for existing construction or upgrades? Is there anything in the code for that? So you see some of the, the state-funded programs
1: like Bay Ren and different things coming around to that idea. So personally, I just called and said, I'd like to upgrade my old gas water heater to a heat pump i can't do that through the city program because i work there so i thought i'd go to a different source and they weren't there yet they didn't know how to handle that they may have that coming out next month so stay tuned
0: Yeah. And as far as plumbers that know how to do that, the word's got to get out there because a lot of plumbers are just still that you mentioned this thing to them and they said, Oh yeah, I've done that. But they're talking about a a flow through instant hot. And when we had our hot water heater inspected by the San Jose building inspector, he said, well, you can't put in an electric hot water heater. So he denied the inspection. I had to go back and say, well, it's it's really, it's electric, but there's a heat pump on top. Oh, so it's just the trades are going to take a few years to become accustomed to this.
1: Yeah. So, We'll be rolling out training for folks in those trades that would be doing the installations. But, you know, we also have to do it for our own code inspection staff because they it's all new to them, too. Common reaction is what's wrong with gas? Why is it bad? When are you coming to take my gas stove away? Things like that. And and so there's a lot of education that needs to take place. Yeah.
0: and I have to say that you know, as a company that does work in San Jose regularly in solar and storage and, and electrical work, the inspectors are all really, really good. They may not, there's things that they don't know about, and even anecdotally when we run a system, mm-hmm. they're all very, very happy to learn and very receptive to that. It just happened. To yeah. it. Another customer, where we put in a two-battery system, and nobody had ever seen a two-battery system, oh, and okay. the wiring to that was and we like explain it to them and they, they just kind of get it so companies like like ours locally solar edge tesla lg were very interested in helping the infrastructure within the city understand this new tech yeah so, all right so what if somebody has a house and it's heavily shaded they're not going to call up cinnamon energy systems because there's just no no room for sun but but what can a homeowner do to do to still get green electricity Yeah. You know, that's one of the things
1: that has changed so rapidly over the last two years. We had San Jose Clean Energy startup just in 2018. And so actually they were created in 2018. They just went out citywide in the spring of last year. But it's easy now because you used to have to rely on having that available sunshine and putting the solar panels up to get the renewable power in your house. Now all you do is call San Jose Clean Energy and say, I'd like to go total green. Once again, small additional monthly premium, and you'll know your house is being supplied by carbon-free power.
0: And what's the size of that premium? Isn't it like a half a penny a kilowatt hour or something? It's tiny.
1: I think it's less than $10 a month.
0: Okay. And then for people who are looking at totally green electricity, the interesting secret is that if you have solar, since your electric rate is very slightly higher, mm-hmm. when you're running your meter backwards on a net basis, you actually make more money. Yes. So that's something that they were recommending to customers.
1: Yeah, and so I have solar on my house. I just got a letter from San Jose Clean Energy that this year they'll begin enrolling us in net energy metering and that the rate coming back is much improved over pg So I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I know when San Jose Clean Energy Energy was rolling out, there was a lot of pushback from people in San Jose, from next door, from neighbors, like, oh, it's another government entity, whatever. How is it working out now that the program's been out for six to eight months?
1: I think it's working out great. If you put the San Jose Clean Energy side by side with pg e you're talking about a, a monstrous owned utility that is i would say less connected to their customer base versus san jose clean energy that maybe has 15 people working there right now so the overhead is is minuscule in comparison and and what they're able to do as a community choice aggregator is take that revenue and cycle it back into the community in the form of incentives and rebates
0: So we talked earlier, and this is something that kind of makes the bills confusing. What did the state's utilities do to add costs to the community choice aggregators, that PCIA charge?
1: Right. So PG&E, their argument anyway, is that they had contracted for power supply well into the future and that as customers departed, they took an already purchased energy load with them. So this thing called the PCIA is also known as an exit fee and the investor owned utilities are charging customers that have left to go to a CCA. It used to be fractions of a penny, then it became a penny, then it's three, maybe it's going to five cents a bill, all to pay for that energy that was procured 10, 20 years out into the future.
0: Yeah, it's a frustrating thing for everybody, and we deal with the frustrations. I'm sure it's much more worse for you, but we have customers calling us and saying, "Why is my bill so high? Yeah. How do we interpret?" And I actually, are whole podcast on trying to explain an electric bill, but it's really complicated. It's tough.
1: It is a battle at the state level within the legislature and the CPUC. Hopefully, that will be resolved. Uh, it seems like it comes up every year. Hopefully, it's resolved on the side of the CCAs, and those bills drop a little bit.
0: Yeah, just get that charge lower. I mean, it's just a utility made some decisions. They weren't good business decisions. They were approved and they kind of have to live with it. And, yeah. You know, hopefully the uh, governor Newsom will will be able to get some good changes in place. All right. Well, let's kind of take a step back. How did you get involved in the environmental movement?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, decades ago at this point I had a previous career in the restaurant industry and I realized it felt kind of the same every day. I wanted my work to make more of an impact and not just be a paycheck. So I went back to school. I went to San Jose State and started studying environmental studies, eventually got a job in the city's environmental service department. And amazingly, that was almost 21 years ago. So I do want to mention that for any of our younger high school age listeners that would also like to make a difference, we are hosting a climate career fair on March 7th. It runs from 11 to 5, and it's going to be at the Fairmont in San Jose. Right across the street from the Tech Museum, where they're hosting the Youth Climate Summit on the same day.
0: Great. Right, that's good. Well, that leads into Are there any other upcoming climate smart events or things that people in Silicon Valley can participate in?
1: We'll be having a host of activities this April. As some of you may know, this Earth Day, this year is the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. So everybody's trying to make a big splash. I know that Mayor Libby Schaaf from Oakland has thrown down the gauntlet to her counterparts in San Jose and San Francisco. So I think all the mayors are gearing up for something big in terms of an announcement.
0: Well, wow, I'm looking forward to that. That sounds really good. All right, so how can people find out more about climate smart programs for their business or their home?
1: Yeah, you're just gonna go to our webpage at www.sanjoseca.gov forward slash climate smart and you'll find a variety of different resources there that you access our programs through.
0: All right. That's great. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks, Ken, for joining us today and talking about the Climate Smart Program. And I hope that everybody in the area participates. And if you're not in San Jose, there's similar programs in neighboring communities. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. If you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.